from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 28. We're going to read this in the ESV. We encourage you, uh, if you have a Bible handy, if you have a a Bible app even, you you could look that up right now. We're also going to project it. uh, But uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice to have the scripture handy. So again, it's Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 28. And uh, yeah, uh, it's in the ESV. We're going to read that right now. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, friends, uh, there's only a few more weeks in our Firm Foundation series. And it's kind of fitting that we would talk about stories. We would talk about this big story that God wants to uh, catch us up into, to, to bring us into his bigger story. And, uh, you know, just want to let you know that some of the uh, things that I'm going to be sharing today are partially inspired by a a book by Brene Brown, who's a a social researcher. Um, She talks a lot about shame and vulnerability. Uh, She considers herself in many ways a storyteller, but there's this book called Rising Strong, uh, how the the ability to reset transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead, uh, where some of this information is going to come from. Uh, But like I said, uh, we're talking about stories here. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I love a good story, don't you? Uh, I think we all love stories. You know, it's such a big part of, uh, you know, obviously the entertainment industry, you know, Uh, books and and movies and and shows, whether they're, you know, streaming or whatever. Um, You know, even a, a lot of the songs that you hear, there's stories in them. And, you know, I think we all are attracted to stories. We're wired for stories. Uh, they find that, um, you know, we retain knowledge a lot better uh, when, when it's told by a story. Um, th- there are stories that I've told like 20 years ago uh, when I was a youth pastor. And, and, you know, there's a story that came out in a sermon. And there are former youth group people that still remember some of the stories that I've told. You know, they won't necessarily remember the sermons, <laughs> you know, or all the details, but they'll remember the stories. We're wired for them. You know, they say that uh, uh, if you're making an appeal, you know, for someone to, to give, uh, you know, for, for charity or whatever, 
that you could quote all the statistics in the world. You could talk about, you know, millions of people who are starving, you know, who are poor, and it's not as effective as telling a story about just one person who's in need. They find, they've done studies where after hearing a, a litany of, of statistics of all these numbers about poverty and about hunger, you know, people are way more likely to give if they're just told a story about one person, right? We, we respond to it, you know? We, we, we want to hear a good story, but we also want to live a good story. We are wired for meaning. And maybe for a lot of us, you know, this is one of the big struggles that we have in life, is that a lot of people wonder, what is the purpose of my life? Why do I do the things that I do? And sometimes we find ourselves living a story that we never really meant to lead. You know, there's just kind of things that happen. You know, you graduate in school, and you get a job, and before you know it, uh, you know, your life is underway. You know, maybe you have a mortgage or you're paying rent or, you know, uh, for those of you who are of this age and for those of you who aren't, this is coming soon and maybe you already feel that pressure. You just kind of feel like you're on a treadmill. You can't get off. It's just going to keep moving. And so you better move with it. But there are many, many people who get to a certain point and they're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Is there any greater meaning behind you know, making money or this job that I'm at. You know, maybe some of us don't connect to what we're doing. And I think all of that has to do with this idea that we are built and wired for story, right? You know, you think about the stories that you respond to the most. Uh, I put a gif here of um, Samwise Gamgee in The Lord of the Rings. And this is a scene where he's actually talking to Frodo about the great stories that, you know, they, that, uh, that they were told and how they're kind of like, you know, at a, a, a crossroads where, you know, uh, the thing that defines a lot of the great stories, you know, Sam says to Frodo, who's on the verge of giving up, he says, folk in those stories had lots of chances. I'm really bad at accents, by the way. This is not <laughs> a very good Samwise Gamgee impression. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back only they didn't. You know, a, a, a lot of the stories that I think we really hook on to are stories where there is difficulty, right? Where it does take courage or it takes fortitude. You got to push through an obstacle, you know? And that, that a, a lot of people, a, a lot of the great stories are great because people don't give up. They keep going, you know? But maybe for a lot of us, we get to difficult places in our own stories. Maybe the difficulty is what I mentioned before. You feel just a little bit lost. Or maybe you kind of know that something's not right, but it's hard to change. It's hard to get off that treadmill. Maybe some of the adversity that, that you're facing, you know, you're kind of thinking like, man, if you only knew what I was going through, this is so hard, right? And I think that there is this great desire to live beyond what maybe we think we're naturally capable of. Okay, those stories are great. The Lord of the Rings, whatever, you know, these stories that, you know, a lot of us, we, we look at and, and they fill us with hope. I mean, think about, you know, some of the most popular stories that are getting told right now. 
the ones that make the most money, superhero stories, right? About these ordinary people who are able to do amazing things. They become something much greater than they were before, and they're able to be heroic, you know? And it's not exactly the same thing, but even today, today is the day of Pentecost. It is the day when we celebrate uh, really the birth of the church. And the church didn't begin by accident, it began by God's intentional giving of the Holy Spirit, unleashing the Holy Spirit on the believers who a lot of them were just ordinary people. They were scared. They were afraid of what the Roman authorities could do to them because the Roman authorities killed Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit was unleashed on them, you know, like tongues of fire descended upon them. And they went out boldly proclaiming the gospel. They weren't afraid, right? You know, Peter, who uh, had previously uh, denied Jesus three times, it's a little servant girl asking him, wait, weren't you with Jesus? And he's like, no, no, no. He was too scared to admit it. And now Peter is in front of the multitudes proclaiming the truth about Jesus, Right? We look at that, and we look at the way Christians have lived. And, and you know, this is something that we've been building to. You know, not just reading the stories that we've heard in the Bible, but we want to be a part of it. Don't you? I think it's one of the reasons why we get so disgruntled with church. You know, or modern Christianity. We're like, man, we thought this was a bigger story. And sometimes Christians, we just make it so small or just in, in our modern lives. It just gets so muted, right? It gets so domesticated. And, and this strange wildness of Pentecost, the church being unleashed, how do we live into that story? Now, friends, um, you will notice that really what kicked it off was the Holy Spirit. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Holy Spirit and, you know, what do spirits do, guys? Spirits lead, right? I'm not going to sing oceans. Maybe I will. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. It's too predictable. <laughs> but what spirits do is they lead, right? And yes, it, it, it is something about the Holy Spirit that wants to lead us. But this is the thing. For us to be able to live that bigger story, we have to stop living the story you're already living. If it's not the story that God wants to tell, if it's not the story that God wants you to live into, we got to figure out what story you're already living into because this is the thing. I think we all are, right? And I think you are being led by spirits. You know, maybe, maybe it's not like the kind of woo spirit, but maybe it's a spirit of fear. Maybe it's a spirit of anxiety. Maybe it's a spirit of, scarce, a spirit of scarcity, you know, or the fear of scarcity, really. Um, maybe these things are guiding you. Maybe there's anger that's guiding you, you know? And so let's take a look at the scripture um, it, it, that, that talks about, that. this is Romans 8, uh, one of my favorites, by the way. Um, but this part of Romans 8 isn't always talked about as much. But I think it, it has a lot to tell us about how we can live into this bigger story. And so it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing 
with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, maybe for a lot of us, we may be thinking, Pastor Steve, it would be easy for us to live into a bigger story if life wasn't so hard, right? Like, like if I didn't have the struggles that I have, you know, maybe some of us have emotional struggles or financial struggles or family struggles or, you know, you name it. There's so many things going on and you're like, Pastor Steve, it might be easy. If everything was going great, then of course I would, you know, want to live into God's story. But come on, I got bills to pay, right? I mean, I'm dealing with uh, depression or anxiety, you know? And, and so this is what uh, uh, the writer of Romans is saying, is I consider, yeah, there are sufferings of this present time, right? Paul, the disciples, they knew suffering. I mean, come on, right? They, they were persecuted. They went to jail, right? Um, many of them were killed for their faith. So, so don't, you know, read the Bible and think that this was read, that written by people who don't understand suffering. They absolutely do, right? But Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of the, this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, the story that God wants you to live into, it's a glorious story. It's so much better than the one you're living right now, right? But maybe, just maybe, the suffering is actually a part of it, you know? It's not once we get over the suffering and then, you know, everything will get better. Yes, you know, there's glory that's going to come that's going to dwarf the suffering. But the suffering is a part of it. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, you know, I'm not going to get fully into it, but, you know, it says sons of God because we are supposed to be heirs. And in that society, uh, in the, the uh, Roman society, that heirs would have come from the sons only. And so men and women, I mean, we're all included here. I mean, there are many Christians who were women as well. So don't think they're just talking to the men here, right? But when it talks about sons of God, it's trying to say, you're going to have the same status as Jesus, right? You're an heir. You know, God is on your side. God wants you to be a part of his family. And he wants you to resemble Jesus, right? To be like the Son of God. So we are waiting eagerly for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God in splendor and glory. Friends, you know, I, I know a lot of us, we look at this and we're like, yeah, I mean, is he talking about heaven? Is he talking about after we die? I think even now we can be revealed as the sons and daughters of God. You know, there are many ways where we can see us become like Jesus. That's part of what the big story is about. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So there's a few things there. It talks about how creation is in bondage to corruption, right? There is something that is shackling us. When we talk about sin, when we talk about brokenness, we're not just talking about something that is bad. We talk about something that is enslaving, right? It's not just bad in the sense that like, oh, you did a bad thing, but 
you can't help but do it. It's got a magnetic pull, right? And a lot of the things we're going to talk about, we need to understand it from that point, right? That the stories that we are trying to escape are so tainted by sin, right? But we are tied to those things. We are in bondage. So you are not going to necessarily easily escape from this story, right? Which I think you know. Right? If you've ever tried to live a bigger story, you know, we could tell people right now, we could say, hey, stop hating each other. Stop going to war with each other. Right? Stop being racist or stop you know, being so selfish. And you could tell people that, and people could even on some level want to do it, but they're not going to be able to. Why? Because we are in bondage to corruption. There is something in our nature. right? And I'm going to Talk about in spiritual terms. You are being led in a certain direction that you cannot help, right? And so there's pain going on, right? And so, friends, this is actually the entry point to your story, right? This recognition that we all go through pain. We all go through difficult things, you know? And so, friends, um, we're going to be talking about three things that that, uh, Brene Brown talks about in her book, um, that, that go into how to live a better story. And the first one is something that she calls the reckoning, right? And the reckoning is simply how we enter into the story. And it is a reckoning about difficult emotion, right? Difficult situations that you go through. Um, in storytelling terms, the story really, really begins in earnest with what we call the inciting incident. This is something uh, that comes from... Um, I forget the guy's name who, who talks about the, the, uh, the, the uh, hero's journey, um, but he talks about this, that really the story kicks off with that inciting incident. You know, someone gets kicked out of their house, you know, a difficult thing happens, a death in the family, um, you know, maybe someone gets falsely accused of a crime, right? You all, you all have seen it, right? It's this big conflict that happens that forces uh, the hero of the story to move, right, to do something. And, and th- this is the thing. For a lot of us, we look at pain, we look at our difficult emotions as a detour to the story, and it's really the entry point. Right? You know, it says, hey, the, the whole creation is in pain. Right? Uh, 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 this idea that, you know, we are, uh, you know, suffering. We're going through this stuff. But it is absolutely a part of the story. And for a lot of people, this is how we recognize that something is wrong, right? And so, friends, um, what, what, what this is about is recognizing when emotion is leading you, getting curious about your emotion. So, uh, again, you know, I think a lot of us, we think of our emotion as a bad thing, you know? Like, like I don't know, maybe there's something where you just, like, snapped at someone. You know, like normally you're, you're pretty reasonable, <laughs> you, 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 you know, you're not one to yell at someone, but all of a sudden, just you have this really short fuse. What is that about? I remember once, um, there, I, I was in this situation where I, 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 it's kind of a longer story, but I, I thought I was going to have to leave LGM, this was years ago, and I was applying for a different job, and I found out that I didn't get it, Right? And, and, and I remember, you know, my wife was asking me, and, you know, she's like, hey, are you okay? Like, like that's disappointing. I'm like, well, you know, it never, it's never good to hear a no. But I was like, you know, 
if this isn't where God wants me to be, it's fine. Like, like yeah, God's will be done. It's okay, right? And, and that's what I kept telling myself. It's okay, it's okay, I'm cool, I'm cool, right? And a day later, I was uh, in a Kroger, and I was walking around just looking for something small, and I found myself getting mad at everything. Like every single person in the store, I'm like, you're stupid. Your face is stupid. Get out of my way. What's wrong with you? And, and I'm checking out, and I'm getting like all frustrated as I'm checking out. And, and I'm like so negative and so riled up. I'm like, dude, what is going on? Now, obviously, you just heard <laughs> that I, I, you know, didn't get a job the day before, right? But for me, I really thought I was cool with it. But it turns out I wasn't. I mean, you know, <laughs> like, like, so that was my indication, though. Right, that strong emotion, you know. I'm not usually like cussing everyone out at a Kroger, right? Obviously, I did under my breath, but you know, I'm usually not like that. And so, you know, this this strong emotion that comes, you know, maybe there's a time where somebody said something to you, and you get that spike of emotion. You get really angry, or you get really hurt, or there's something where your heart drops when someone tells you something, friends. That is an opportunity to on-road to the story. There's something there. Or has there ever been an incident, something that happened, where it just kept bothering you again and again and again? You kept playing it over in your mind? And you're like, why is this bothering me so much? That, friends, is the reckoning. It's recognizing that there is something difficult going on, right? Now, for many of us, emotion is just, you know, we've learned this at some point. That emotion, uh, bad emotion is something to be avoided, right? And so there's a lot of people who numb. They numb through alcohol. They numb through, you know, watching Netflix. They they numb through, uh, you know, eating ice cream, you know, these different things. Or we just kind of keep ourselves busy. You know, I I don't want to think about this. Maybe you tell yourself something like what I did when I didn't get that job. It's okay. It's not a big deal, right? But friends, I... I think it can be. And, and this is the thing. That emotion will not go away. That emotion is leading you. It is, right? You know, there's sometimes where whatever that thing that's bothering you is just driving you crazy. Have you ever had this thought? I wish I could stop thinking about this. I wish this would stop bothering me. But just wishing that won't make it go away, right? You can distract yourself, but it's going to come out in some way. This is what Brene Brown says, that this idea that a lot of people today are not really good at feeling hurt, right? And so it says there are too many people today who, instead of feeling hurt, are acting out their hurt. They're hurting other people. Instead of acknowledging pain, they're inflicting pain on others. Rather than risking feeling disappointed, they're choosing to live disappointed, right? This story is guiding you and leading you more than you possibly know. I did want to focus on something that I said before, that idea of thinking you're fine. You know, this is something that we've learned in ways that even just unconsciously, we've kind of internalized the story that we're supposed to be fine. Hey, it's not that big a deal. If I admit emotion, this is a big thing for a lot of guys, by the way. If I admit emotion, it shows that I'm weak. Uh, Over the pandemic, my wife and I had been watching a lot of Korean dramas. We finally got to this one that everyone keeps telling us about. It's called Crash Landing on You. I don't know if you guys have seen this one, 
But it's about uh, this woman who ends up in North Korea through some freak accident. And she, of course, falls in love with a North Korean soldier who's very noble and loves her. I'm not going to give away too many spoilers. That's just the, the you know, basic plot. But um, this guy is you know, you know, good-looking and strong, and, and he's always trying to protect her. And one of the ways that this comes out is that he always says this thing. He says it many, many times, again and again and again and again. He says, you, you know, whenever something's, she's like, hey, are you okay? Like, he gets gunshot wound, you know, or he steps on a mine, you know, and you hear that click, and if you move, it's going to blow up. Or, you know, he hasn't eaten anything for two full days, you know. And, and she'll say, like, are you okay? And he'll say, Yulopso. And, and, and the way they translate it is, I'm fine. There's no problem. You know? And it's meant to be this thing that you look at like, oh, look how tough he is. You know? I'm fine. Right? And, and I think a lot of us, we hear that. We think that. We think we're supposed to be okay. Man, I won't tell you how many times people have come up to me, maybe like after a breakup. And, and I seriously have talked to people who are like, you know, they wanted to meet up with me because they're trying to get over a breakup. And they're talking to me, and they literally have tears in their eyes, and they'll be saying this with their lips. While they're crying, they'll say, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Like, oh, yeah, I know it's silly. It's silly. I'm like, why do you keep saying it's silly? You're literally crying, right? Well, you, you know, I can't stop thinking about it, but it really should be no big deal. Friends, it doesn't matter if you think it shouldn't be a big deal. If it's affecting you, where, you know, you flag it on some level. You can't stop thinking about it, right? It's, it's making you react in some way. It is a big deal. And you are going to live that story whether you like it or not. You can try to bury it. You, but oftentimes the story will get malformed, right? Like we said, you'll act out of that story. You'll act out of that hurt. You'll take it out on other people. So friends, the first step is to just get curious, Right? I mean, literally, there are times where, you know, I acknowledge I was not good at this before, but I've been learning how to do this. When I'm, like, getting really, really fired up or upset about something, you know, if there's some strong emotion that's coming out, to to just acknowledge it, like, huh, what's going on? Without condemnation, like, what's going on? What's wrong with me? No, friends. Just to say, hey, this is weird, right? Get curious about it. That's the first step. So, you know, it goes on to say that um, it doesn't just end there. Not only the creations, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. By even entertaining that there's a problem or that we want to live a different story, I think that the Spirit can start to work within us. But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions, uh, adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. It's going to start talking about this groaning, you know, and then there's this other part that we don't like, the waiting. And in a lot of stories, the most difficult part of the story is actually not the conflict. It's the middle. You ever get to the middle part of a story? And um, Brene Brown calls it uh, the point of no return, the space where you're too far in to turn around and not close enough to the end to see the light. And, you know, maybe you acknowledge that your feelings are uncomfortable or, you know, you're living out a story that you don't want to. What do you do with that? It makes us very, very uncomfortable, right? And one of the things that is so important is the next step. This is something that Brene Brown calls the rumble. 
And it's simply owning the story that you are telling yourself. You're like, wow, that sounds really nice. Why is it called a rumble? (laughs) Well, friends, um, have you ever seen a rumble? Uh, So apparently there's a type of wrestling match called the Royal Rumble. Uh, Do you guys know what this is? They put 30 people in a cage and that it's just like the last person standing wins. And you got to literally just throw the other people out of the cage, right? Look at this, friends. You know, okay, let's just go back for a second. The rumble, own the story that you're telling yourself. Sounds so so nice. This does not look nice. (laughs) This is messy. This is crazy. This is chaotic, right? And this is pretty indicative of what the rumble is. Man, it is uncomfortable, right? Rumbling with your emotions, dealing with them is not an easy thing. It is perhaps the most difficult step, right? This is why a lot of us would rather just live disappointed, then feel disappointed. This is a lot, why a lot of us would rather lash out at someone else than acknowledge the hurt within ourselves, right? Because it's really, really, really uncomfortable. And so how do we rumble? So there's a couple things that Brene Brown talks about. One is what she calls the SFD. She gets this from Anne Lamott, who is a, a, a writer. Uh, she, she is someone who, a person of faith. Uh, but Anne Lamott talks about, um, you know, for writers... Uh, a lot of times writers get paralyzed by trying to make their writing good, you know? And you're always editing, and you're always kind of second-guessing yourself. And so one of the ways she says to actually finish your book is, you know, write what she calls the SFD. Now, I'm not going to say what the S is. It's a a bad word. Um, But I'm just going to use a a synonym, which isn't that much better, but maybe it's just a little bit better for church purposes. I'm going to call it the crappy first draft doesn't start with a C. I think you can figure out what S is now, right? But the crappy first draft is this idea that you are going to write something that you know already is not bad. Or sorry, is, you, you already know it is bad, right? It's not your best work. But the point is to get your story out there. Don't edit, right? You, you know, if, if it sounds childish, if it sounds like something that somebody wouldn't really say in a dialogue, right? If the story sounds trite, just get it out there. Right? And the purpose is to get it out there so you get moving. You know, and, and the, the, the crappy first draft, what it is about is trying to just get out what you are feeling. Right? And so what Brene Brown says is that you're going to write it, and it's like letting out your inner five-year-old. Right? A lot of times, we don't like the emotions we're experiencing. It sounds so childish. We're like, man, if anyone ever knew this about me. That's why when people are struggling with something, they're struggling with a breakup, and they come to me, and they're like, hey, it's no big deal. right? Because they think that's what people are supposed to say. They're like, man, I feel so weak. I feel so embarrassed admitting that this is difficult. right? And so the, the, the SFD is about, like, you know, it could be in a journal. It could be, you know, on your computer. It, it should be something most likely that no one will ever see. But the point is for you to acknowledge that it's happening to you, for you to own your story, right? And this is the thing. The SFD, much like if you're writing a story, may not be a very good story. It may actually be wrong. But what you're feeling is important to acknowledge, right? Because if you cannot acknowledge, then you can't change it. Now, now this is the difficult thing about acknowledging this, is that Remember how I told you we're all wired for story? And we like to make up stories when we are in uncertainty. It's part of what makes us human. And this is something that uh, Brene Brown wrote in her book, and and I want to just quote it word for word, because I think it's so profound. 
She says, Robert Burton, a neuroscientist and novelist, explains that our brains reward us with dopamine when we recognize incomplete patterns. Stories are patterns. The brain recognizes the familiar beginning, middle, and structure and structure of a story and rewards us for clearing up the ambiguity. Unfortunately, we don't need to be accurate about these stories, just certain. So what does this mean? This means that if you are in a situation, let's say that you know, someone you know, someone at church or a, a coworker, kind of like gives you a funny look and you don't know what that look means or they say something and their words come out kind of sharply, Right? And you're like, dude, what the heck? It makes you feel uncertain. You don't like it. And what a lot of us do is we make up a story. Right? We're like, oh, Barbara must be mad at me. Oh, is it because I, I, I didn't uh, uh, talk to her yesterday? Or I got that report to her late? Oh, man, someone's been really cold to me lately. Yeah, I thought we were friends. Is it because they've been hanging out with other people? Now, We all do this, right? But the problem is that for many of us, we do it and we believe that story and your brain is rewarding you for it, right? Like we said, you get this little dopamine hit, right? In that same way, that that wonderful sensation of connecting dots. You you, you ever, like, like, like you're trying to piece a, a mystery together. You're trying to figure out what is going on in a story or why is this person acting like this? And when you find the reason, do you ever have that sensation of, oh... Mmm, I get it now. It feels good, right? And your brain rewards you even if the story is wrong. This is why conspiracy thinking is so, is, is so tempting and so, uh, you know, difficult because people, like, like, like you feel good. And you're like, yeah, I completed the loop. I now know why this is happening, and it could be incomplete information. It could actually be dead wrong, Right? Man, I know people who've left our church because of the stories that they were telling themselves. I know people who've ended years-long relationships, friendships, because of the stories that they were telling themselves. I know that I have done things that I probably wouldn't have done, right? Or assume things, you know? And, and I mean, there might be times like, you know, my wife, you know, like, like just for whatever reason, you know, I'm like, like, I don't know. I'm talking to her, and she's not usually as cheery as possible. This is a hypothetical, by the way. It's purely hypothetical. But, you know, I'm like, oh, did I do something wrong? Right? And then maybe later I'll get a new piece of information if I'm around her long enough where she'll perk up. And maybe she was just lost in thought. Maybe she was thinking about a, a hard work interaction. Right? It had nothing to do with me. But I might make up a story. Right? And that story will rule you. You will live that story if you don't counteract it. So one of the things that Brene Brown talks about, and I've heard other people do this because it's so powerful, right, is that once you start to identify the story that you are living, uh, uh, the story that you've been believing, you know, that, that you can even say to yourself, the story that I'm making up is such and such. You can even do this with people if you're in a close enough relationship with them. You know, like, like it, you, you, it, I don't know, like, like your spouse or whatever. It's like, hey, you know, can I talk to you for a moment? Um, because I, I just, you know, there's been something kind of bothering me, and it may just be me, but the story that I'm making up right now is the reason why you weren't talking to me before is because you're mad at me for some reason, right? 
instead of doing what a lot of us do is we make it an attack. We're like, hey, what's your problem, right? Like, they may not have a problem, right? But you made up a story where you think they're the problem, right? And, and so, you know, to simply say to them, hey, I, I know this may sound crazy, but the story that I'm making up right now is this. Can you imagine just if people did that on a consistent basis, right? Just how many misunderstandings would get cleared up, right? And friends, you know, for us, you know, maybe some of you are thinking right now, man, I wish that person at work would do this, you know? I, I got to send this, 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 this message to someone so they can see it and so they can see that they're making up a story about me. Friends, I just want to say, you know, it's probably a longer message, <laughs> a, a longer thing to explore, but if you have somebody who's been making up a story about you, I just want you to hold on to this thought for a second. You know how bad that makes you feel when someone makes up a story about you? It's terrible, right? Like, dude, I didn't do that. I'm not that person. I don't know why you think that. You know, you're like, dude, this is crazy. Why won't you just talk to me about it? If you know that feeling, then I think we owe it, right, as a Christ follower to untangle the stories that we tell because everybody does it, right? And so, friends, uh, just continuing with this, right, this idea that, that will bring us through it is hope. Now, there is a hope for telling different stories. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? So this is the idea that you may be stuck in this uncertainty. And one of the problems with the rumble is that we avoid it because uncertainty feels so difficult. We want to complete the loop. We want to tell a story so that we can come to some kind of closure. You know, and maybe in a moment where somebody's, you know, treating you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable. And normally you might be telling yourself stories, and if you could catch those stories and like, okay, I'm telling myself those stories, but that you could be in a moment of kind of suspended animation. You know, you could be in this moment of the not yet. There's no resolution, but you could stay there because, friends, I believe that's where the Holy Spirit is. If you don't believe me, let's read on. It says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. If you hope that you know that in this unresolved moment, God is able to work. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Right? How do you pray about a situation that you don't even know what it is? Right? If you're making up a story, you're like, God, Help this person to just get off their high horse and stop judging me. It's like you don't know the story, right? You don't know how to pray in that situation. Maybe just your prayer is, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, this is difficult for me right now. God, can you just hold me in this moment? And isn't it interesting when it says how the Spirit intercedes for us? With groanings too deep for words. I'm like, come on, why can't they be words? Why can't you tell me what's going on? But the spirit is there. Like when you're in pain and you can't even articulate what's going on, you just groan. Uh, uh, And maybe that's a prayer. You're reaching out to God and the Holy Spirit is right there with you groaning. You don't need the words for the comfort. You don't need the certainty of having that story finish. The Holy Spirit can be with you. And then we move on to the last part, which is write a different ending, the revolution, right? They all start with R, the reckoning, the rumble, 
and write a different ending, the revolution, right? So this idea, like, like just, just to recap, right? This idea of get curious about what you're feeling. If, if a strong emotion captures you, you find yourself in a diff, difficult place. It is the on-road to writing a better story, but you got to identify. You just got to be curious, right? And, and then, uh, and not avoid it, and, and be able to work through it so that you can own that story and say, yes, I am feeling something. You know, maybe I'm telling myself a story that I'm not proud of, but this is what's happening right now. And when you do that, there is the potential to write a different ending. So how we do this is to tell a bigger story, to live the bigger story. And remember, friends, you cannot live the bigger story until you untangle the smaller story until you figure out that the small story is not the right story or not a story you want to live anymore. You have been living it, but you want to get off of it. When you identify that, now there is this potential for us to live into the bigger story. And what is that? It says, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is going to help lead you into accordance with the will of God, which is the bigger story. God wants you to live with purpose. You see this here? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Is that what we want? We want to live for a purpose. And the bigger story is one where you know God is working all things together, working all these things together for good so that we can live in accordance with the will of God, so we can live the bigger story. How do you do this, friends? You know, maybe there are times where you need to remind yourself. I mean, this is why we read the scripture, right? This is why we listen to sermons. This is why we go to Bible studies. This is why we try to hear what really is the story that's going on. Because a lot of the stories that you are hearing are either incomplete or they're just flat out wrong. A lot of people, you know, whether they know it or not, we live in a place of functional atheism. We live as if God does not exist. And so a lot of times when we go through difficult circumstances, we quake and we shake because we feel abandoned. But if you know the bigger story, that God is still working, God is with you, he's on your side. Maybe some of us, were living a story, but it's an incomplete story. It's a version of the Old Testament. This idea, okay, there is a holy God, but I've disappointed him because I keep messing up again and again and again. Yeah, I have these difficult emotions because I'm weak, because there's something wrong with me. That has been one of the most compelling Difficult and just flat-out wrong stories that I've told myself so many times, right? This idea of what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? If I were a better person, if I were a better Christian, if I were a stronger person, made of stronger stuff, I wouldn't struggle with this stuff. Brothers and sisters, that's a lie straight from hell. We're all sinners. We're all broken. God already knew that, right? God already knew that you would struggle. He's not surprised by your emotion. Right? And so the idea of the bigger story is that the bigger story is one that includes someone like me and someone like you, imperfect people that are brought into the story on the grace of Jesus Christ. It is because of what Christ has done for us that he has proclaimed, I am on your side. Your emotion does not surprise me. It doesn't scare me. 
You thinking you're weak, you thinking that you have to be a certain kind of person, you don't. Just bring yourself before me and know that you can find this story of redemption, this story of grace. And once we shed the shame and the guilt, you can live a better story. Once we let unload whatever it is that has been leading us, we confess that. We bring that before God and we say, we don't want to live this story anymore. It's like the shackles will come off of you. And then you say, Holy Spirit, lead. What do you want me to do? I mean, it really is, in some ways, a revolution. When you are able to free yourself from a story where you think that someone hates you, or you feel powerless, or you feel so uncertain, right? And when you can acknowledge that and let God take that from you, Friends, I'm telling you, you can live a better story. I mean, just through this emotional work, you know, of of just realizing these stories are leading me. Man, I I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't get caught up in the stories. I do. But I do find that I get untangled from them much quicker than I used to. Right? I mean, there are times where I'm just able to just be before God and just acknowledge, God, I'm just angry right now. You know, I'm really disappointed or I'm feeling really uncertain about the situation where I feel like someone doesn't like me or whatever the case may be, right? And friends, I got to tell you, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. This is where we get off from the self-help stuff and we get on to the life of the Spirit. You're not alone in this story, right? Yes, we have to be willing to face, encounter, and untangle from the false stories you've been telling, the incomplete stories, the smaller stories, right? But God absolutely wants to help you to get on to this bigger story. Can I ask the priest team to come up? And um, friends, you know, we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks, you know, things that we can do to start walking in the story more. Now, so stay tuned for that. But I do want us to maybe just take a moment to look at those two other parts, recognizing when you're in difficult emotion, right? Something's going on, right? There's a story that is being triggered that you're already living. And then rumbling with that, right? Being willing to face that. In the spirit of God, it's, it's the best way, right? Where you know that there's no condemnation. You know that God isn't judging you for that story. And then living into the story. Friends, man, you know, like I said, I, I know maybe for some of us, you've been hearing some of the things I say, and you, know, you, you think about other people who are telling stories about you. Or you're thinking about situations that are so difficult to untangle. And part of this story is to say that the ending is certain. Have you ever like, uh, have you ever like, like watched a a show or a movie where it's like so tense and you're like, oh my gosh, is the hero going to live? You know, is is, is everything going to be okay? Do you ever just kind of peek to the end? You know, do you you ever just kind of like fast forward just to make sure that they're going to be okay? Friends, we have that in the Bible. We have that in our faith. It's going to be okay. And that's not just a platitude that we tell. When you're stuck in the middle, man, it's so hard. When you can't see the shore, when you can't see the end goal, but to know God loves you. 
He is working together everything for your good. And the grace will bring you to completion. Friends, you can be assured of that. Hold on to God because he will never stop holding on to you. So friends, I don't know what it is you just want to bring before God. Maybe you just want to take a moment. There's, maybe there's one aspect of this message today that hits you. And you just want to sit with that for a moment. Friends, while you're doing that, just, just sit with it for a moment. You can even write it down if you want. I just want to speak grace over you, speak blessing. God, I pray that you may bless your children. God, we are imperfect. We mess up. We live inferior stories, God. We're story-making uh, beings, and we, we just like the certainty of a story, God, even when they're wrong. God, we confess that many of us get hooked onto those things. Lord, we know that you forgive us. God, we thank you for Jesus, who came and died for our sins, to, came to, to free us from the bondage of sin and the ways that these spirits may lead us in directions that you do not want us to go. But Lord, we desire to be caught up in the story of grace, to be caught up in the story where you are for us, where you love us and you forgive us. And we have second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and 70 times seven second chances, God. You will never give up on us. We thank you, God. Thank you for the bigger story that we can live into. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.